seventh story window. Throwing parties in a ten by seven cell. It's a stunning the legs I'll go to convince the whole damn world I don't need anybody's help. Yeah, I am waving while I drive. Don't bother swimming out it to save me. I will only drag you down. I'll try to use your body as a life raft. Cause if there's room enough for one, there must be room enough for two. I'll sail the good ship you into the sunset. Sipping on savory water till my liver turns blue. Yes, it is me, Matt Wright, here with you live on Thursday night for the Writer's Block. How is everybody doing tonight? I hope everybody out there is having a fantastic week and uh, that we uh, get a chance to uh, spend a wonderful day here together uh, with a great guest. Now, before anybody else asks, uh, anybody in the comments who is worried about whether or not we're going to have the muddied Zoom, yes, we are going to do it this month. Spike's traveling today, so we didn't do the muddied Zoom. So instead, we're I'm doing an episode of the Writer's Block tonight, and we will be doing the muddied Zoom later on this month. Uh, so no need to worry. That is going to happen. Uh, but until then, and before anything else, allow me to thank the Narcissist Cookbook for the music that I play at the beginning and end of every episode of the Writer's Block. Let me uh, also thank my mom and my dad because without them, I wouldn't be here and neither would you. Uh, uh, let me thank Justin for the kava that I am drinking on today's episode. And let me thank each and every one of you for tuning in because it's a Thursday night and there are literally an infinite amount of things that you could choose to be doing tonight and you choose to spend them here with me. So to all above, I say, Bula Vanaka. <laughs> um, before we get into our guest, uh, let us start off by paying a little bit of the bills. Starting off with Joe Soloski. He's running for governor of Pennsylvania. Uh, if you live in the Pennsylvania region of these United States and you consider your, if you fancy yourself a voter and a lover of liberty, you should vote for Joe Soloski for governor. 
the Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus, the fastest growing and second largest caucus in the Libertarian Party. If you want to become a member of the Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus, all you have to do is go to the very diversified, inclusive, equity, and accessible Facebook group that pretty much anybody is allowed to and hit the join button. Uh, if you want to become a voting member, head on over to the store. Head on over to the Muddy Water store and you can get a Waffle House uh, button or shirt. A Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus button or shirt. The Gravy King. Mudwater, the most aptly named sponsor we could possibly have at Muddied Waters Media. If you woke up this morning and said, I hate my life and God, I don't want coffee anymore, uh, have I got something that's going to make your mornings worse? It has one-seventh of caffeine. It tastes much worse than coffee, but it's all natural and it's uh, allegedly healthy. And if you stay till the end of the episode, I have a fun fact for you on why you don't want to drink coffee anymore. So go to muddiedwatersoffreedom.com slash mud and get your mud water today. Um, so my guest, uh, is, my guest is running currently for the House of Representatives in Alaska. Uh, and Paul Robbins Jr. in the comments has already stated that he has voted for him already. So we've already got people who are voting for this guy. Uh, he is a combat veteran. He's a combat vet veteran from the interior of Alaska. Uh, he is married and has four kids, avid outdoorsman, fishing guide, active volunteer in his community. Uh, we can just, let's just bring him on because uh, he's going to be able to tell you all this stuff much better than I'm going to be able to tell you. So everybody, please welcome with me the one, the only Chris By. Hey, thanks, man. I appreciate that. In the uh, spirit of Thanksgiving, let me thank my beautiful wife. <laughs> He's uh, ordering me a white hot chocolate, which is pretty pick and sweet. No, uh, you know, uh, it's a team effort. So, uh, yep, again, my name is Chris Bai. I am running for the only House congressional seat for Alaska. Uh, it was occupied by a man named Don Young for about 47 years, which is uh, about a year I was born, as a matter of fact. So it's kind of cool. Uh, and we're going to shake things up a little bit, right? So so he was like elected in when you were born. And then now you're, you're like, OK, now it's my turn. I'm, I'm taking over. Yeah, not only that, but we uh, we started with a website that was called Longshot, right, for obvious reasons. And then we changed it to itstimealaska.com. Because it was time to move on, and so that's what we're uh, that's what we're advocating for right now. And he unfortunately passed away in an airplane um, heart attack, so uh, it left this like crazy chasm of individuals running. No, it's been kind of a wild ride. I bet. Yeah, I I've been following it a little bit. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know, uh, the Eskimo Libertarian Melik, uh, she helps produce this show with me, and so I get a lot that's of right. updates from her. Um, and it's been, it, it seems like it's been insane. Um, so we know like why right. there's a special election is because, uh, representative young passed away, but how many, when is the special election? First of all, so it's, uh, it's kind of unique, right? We've got ranked choice voting. And so we initiated on the 27th of April with a mail-in ballot with 48 names on it. Uh, right now there's 46, 47, I think two dropped out. 
Okay. Uh, I mean, we, it runs the it runs from Santa Claus of North Pole to this guy, uh, so it's it's quite diverse. And uh, what's really unique, if if Miss uh, Nalik didn't mention this, we actually started. There was only two of us running, and then I made the fatal error of going to Alaska's Republican heart, which is called the Matanuska Valley, and I made a lot of waves there. And all of a sudden, come Monday after that convention, there was 12 Republicans running against me. So I scared the snot out of them, apparently. Wow. And like you mentioned earlier, buddy, I, I literally am just a combat vet turned fishing guide. So it doesn't get much normal than that in Alaska. And to think that I'm that intimidating is, is actually pretty cool. Who knew? <laughs> so where, where in Alaska are you? Uh, so I am actually outside of a small mom and pop restaurant right now um that my wife is parking me at we're in fairbanks uh alaska okay so i literally live north of the last stoplight in the united states uh which is kind of cool yeah so uh i spent a summer in alaska but i sent it spent it in the most southern city in alaska so like as close to the united (laughs) to to the lower 48 as you can get but still i can say that i was in alaska um up in uh ketchikan I think this is probably a good idea to kind of shape this uh in the unique size and diversity that alaska truly is right so if you were to look at the map of the united states i want you to put a finger at the end of texas right that would be brownsville which by the way i've been to it's a fascinating place and then go all the way up along the mississippi river as far north as you can to say minot north dakota so that's the north and south limit of alaska right. and then mm-hmm. i want you to rotate your hands and go all the way west to the ocean uh, out past uh, Los Angeles, and that's basically the size of Alaska. Yeah, Alaska, um, Alaska is massive. It is. It is and, massive. You know, we, we're kind of broken into like three sections, right? So we've got the southeast where you were at, uh, and that's all basically uh, maritime, rainforest. And then we've got where we live, which is the road network, and that includes Anchorage up the Fairbanks down to a little town called Delta Junction, and then basically back down to Valdez and then over to Anchorage. That has roughly 400, maybe 500,000 people living in it. And it's huge. Uh, to give you a good perspective, it would be like going from Washington, D.C. to uh, Columbus, Georgia. That's basically how far it is from Fairbanks to Anchorage, Alaska. Okay. So that's... And then... Uh, the rest okay. of the Alaska, like north of that and west of that, is called the Bush. And you can only get there by flying or floating down the Yukon, uh, which is pretty cool. And you're somewhere up in that area? I am uh, at the tip of the road network. Okay. So uh, it's it's pretty cool. I mean, this is a great place to raise your kids. The people here are fascinating. Uh, they're all crazy like me. And... Uh, yeah, it's like being in one big family, and we all get along just like one big family. So yeah, yeah it's I will pretty. Say, uh, it's actually impressive. I, I will say, in the time that I spent there, um, having a six. I, I live in Florida. You know, I'm down here in the uh, Pinellas County region. I'm on. I'm on uh, the Gulf of Mexico, and uh, having a sixty degree high for summer was amazing. That was incredible, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I ordered a winter coat in the summertime in Alaska because I didn't have one here. <laughs> right. So uh, right now it's 39 and quite wet and miserable. 
um, but it will get to 80 degrees, 90 degrees here for at least a couple days, about July, end of beginning of August. And it'll be pretty miserable because no one has any AC up here. So it's, right. That's one thing I remember. There was no AC and there was one day where it got like into the 80s and everybody was dying. And I was like, this is nothing. Come on, guys. There's no humidity. Right? This is fine. <laughs> We're doing just fine here. So yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's an amazing place to live. No, it's, and it's, it's absolutely gorgeous too. It's like, so the, that was some of the, I'm not a hiker. I'm not an outdoorsy person. Uh, I am much more get me in somewhere, but the hiking there was absolutely incredible. And uh, like the whale, like we, walk down to the ocean and you just see whales just going. And it was absolutely amazing. Uh, the best salmon I've had in my life. And uh, I right. can't, I can't wait to go back at some point, but it will definitely be in the summertime uh, because I hate the cold, which is why I moved here. <laughs> um, so you said that this is going to be, that this is a special election coming up. It started April 27th. Um, how are they, how are they going to run it? My knowledge on special elections comes from one podcast that I listened to that had to deal with Ireland special election back in, I don't remember when. Um, and I just sort of assumed all of them run this way, but how is, how is Alaska yeah, running? Pretty much. That's pretty much how it is. So we've got that mail-in ballot that came out on the 27th of April. Uh, and not everybody's received it again. It's a fairly large state, right? Okay. And then it's due back to the state on the 11th of June. They'll tally those up and the top four move on to compete on the 19th of August. Uh, correction, the 16th of August. 16th of August. Okay. And uh, really unique because that's the same time the primary is for the November election. So if you think ranked choice voting, the top four go in, you put an X next to one, two, three, or four, or a write-in. And then uh, you would assume that your number one pick is going to be your first pick for the November election as well. So they kind of they kind of slanted it, as we all know at this podcast. You know, it's really slanted toward the duopoly. So uh, folks like me are going to have to row pretty hard to really get after it. But man, I'll tell you, sir, like the uh, energy is frightening. Uh, people are just tired of the status quo, even hardcore blues and reds. I mean, they are just really tired of making those left-hand, right-hand turns and coming right back to $30 trillion of debt. I mean, they're, they, they understand totally. And so when you start asking questions like, you know, does your party put you ahead of Alaskans? The answer invariably has been the party ahead of Alaskans. And so it's really, uh, it's actually been exciting and uh, it pushes you along, you know? So to go back to the ranked choice, so like, let's say somebody selects uh, Santa Claus. Um, somebody selects Santa Claus from the North Pole as their number one pick, and then they pick you as their number two pick. Is it where, is it where you would get like two points and he would get three points? And then they kind of, is that how the, like, I, I honestly don't know how this ranking is done. <laughs> I'm trying sure. to figure it out. So the best way to kind of explain this is to think of a pool, okay. right? Just a big, nice pool like you have in your backyard, probably down there in uh, yeah, in Florida, right? Wonder, that would be wonderful, though. Or maybe your neighbor has it, right? So all the votes go into there. The, the 
and think of them as picket signs, right? So the, the picket signs that have the least, they get booted out. And your number one pick might be removed, but your number two pick will stay in and count as an aggregate with all the other okay. names that you've put in there. So for you and I, let's say we're running an election, Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck, and Goofy are in there. And you rank Mickey Mouse as your number one, and I rank Mickey Mouse as my number two. If Goofy, who would obviously be my first candidate, gets booted out, then my number two pick gets thrown into the aggregate. So that would count along with your Mickey Mouse. Gotcha. And that's kind of how it's running. Okay. Yeah, because the way that I heard it was the the way that I heard it in the one podcast I listened to on it, which happened in Ireland, uh, when somebody would drop out, they would give all of theirs to one of the candidates. And I wasn't sure if Alaska was doing it in the same sense. Uh, Cause I figured no. that would do like some sort of, you'd have to make alliances and it would sort of become like survivor and <laughs> you're, you're like cutthroat, <laughs> right? You're, you're making alliances with other parties to be like, Hey, if one of us gets kicked out, we throw to the other one. Right. And then you'd make deals. Um, that was kind of what I was picturing it, but I wasn't I wasn't sure if uh they were gonna make it uh big brothery enough for amazing nah. race. You know, I, I there's a lot of questions about it, because uh, it is something new. And lots right. of times when you get new procedures or you know, techniques, there's a lot of questions on how it go it'll it'll work out. You know, I myself have some questions about it, right? Um the number one that I don't like on the ballot when we voted on it was the lack of privacy for donations. Anybody gives me more than $50 of donations, I not only have to get their contact information, but I have to put their occupation. So if I've got a public school teacher, uh, who's, which we do, uh, who's given me money, they have to put on there that they're a public school teacher. And you can bet that there are unions out there who will definitely go through that donation listing and you can assume that someone's going to give that teacher who's very brave, great American, uh, he's going to get talking to. And you know he is. And I think that's wrong. So we're going to fix that in the future. Uh, but so, right now, this is the battlefield we've been given. Yeah. And from what I understand, that's federal election law, because anytime I've given money to anybody, they've had to, I've had to fill that out. And it's like, you know, I'm giving that's 50 right. bucks to this candidate. And it's like, what do you do? And I'm like, I'm a podcaster. Right, so, right. Um, so you know, we'll, we'll work through that. Right, uh, and I agree. It, 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 I've never understood why I have to do it, and that's why I say I'm a podcaster and I don't mention any of the other things that I do. Um, <laughs> so, I know one of your big issues is uh, that you talk about a lot is of uh, fishery management, and you you do tours and you do that kind of thing. I think this is the right picture here. I'm fingers crossing it. Yeah. Yes, there it is. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, don't judge me by that fish. That's a client fish. So we're, we're up and uh, personal about that <laughs> in, in Alaska. You better believe they judge you by the fish you catch. <laughs> right. I was looking at it. I was like, man, this is not the greatest picture to advertise for his, for his fishing business. <laughs> but, um, so, uh, as a fishing guide, I imagine that fishery management's a big issue. And I remember when I was up there, there are fisheries everywhere. Um, yes. What is it about this that's, uh, that it's important? And what do you tell your constituents? This, this right here is like the perfect problem set for libertarians, like the perfect problem set, right? 
you've got a renewable resource that is heavily influenced and controlled by industry and by big government. And then way down below, we've got like one or two seats. But just to make sure it's all watered out, we've included two other states into the regulatory body of our waters. So again, think of Alaska and that map set that I gave you earlier, right? It's huge. Now take that three miles off the shoreline and extend it out to international boundaries or 200 miles, whichever comes first, right? Our back door is Russia. So, right. you know, back right. it up to there and then, you know, the 200 miles out past the Aleutians. None of that water touches Washington or Oregon, yet they both have seats on the council. And that council is called the North Pacific Fisheries Management Council. It's made up of industry, government, uh, some seats for Alaska, uh, some seats for Washington and Oregon. And what I'd like to see done is those seats for Washington, Oregon, they are no longer occupied by Washington and Oregon. They are occupied by inland folks. So that would be cities along or towns along the Yukon. Right. Because right now they don't have a voice. So when fisheries management guys get together and they say, hey, we're going to do this kind of technique or we're going to allow for this kind of harvest of salmon. There's nobody sitting there from upriver on the Yukon that says, wait, hold on now, pal. I'm not going to get any fish. And so far for the last two and a half seasons, they've cut their subsistence harvest to nil, to nothing. And so what happens is taxpayers are now funding an emergency relief act to give them money, but that's not sustaining their lifestyle. That's just cutting it off at the knees. And so, so what we've got to do is, is fix that. And we've got to do it quick because right now the harvest is all going down to Washington and Oregon. And we're leaving our villages up on the, on the Yukon high and dry. And it's not just the Yukon. It affects the Kuskokwim River, which is Bethel area, the Kobuk, which is to the north. And I just think we can do better if we've got more representation of the state. And so, so that's, yeah, you're right. It's a pretty, pretty, uh, pretty big deal, right? Because it affects the entire, like, state. So if, if I heard that correctly, the taxpayers are funding a program to give the taxpayers money. So essentially, you're just paying yourselves while the government takes out their, their red tape fees. Right? Okay. You're exactly right. Okay. It's I like just, a, okay. uh, I liken it to a self-licking ice cream cone that melts and leaves a mess for everybody to pick up in Alaska. Because as much as I love Washington and Oregon, like them jokers are heading back home to their home port. They're not going to leave the mess with us. But funny enough, they're going to pay for it anyway through their taxes. So that, you know, folks in Galena, which are in Fort Yukon, two towns on the Yukon, can get money to give to another grocery outlet to get the salmon that they should have been able to catch using subsistence netting. It's fascinating. And so, frustrating all at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the issues that I know is big in Alaska, and I also am very aware of this issue because I work at an aquarium. So I hear about this issue a lot. Uh, but I know that one of the issues that you see in Alaska often is uh, bottom trawling. And that, I, yes. since I work in an aquarium, I hear about it a lot. And uh, I know that that is one of the issues uh, that harms like seahorse life uh over in yes. asia uh what is that doing in alaska all right so this is what this is where libertarians who are brave step out in front of everybody and get the first shot class right i mean this is this is how it works but it's okay i'm tough i've been blown up and shot at before this is not that big of a deal <laughs> 
you're not going to find any Democrats or Republicans who are going to espouse the stuff that we're talking about right now with fisheries management, because the fishing industry is so um, entrenched and influential in politics in Alaska that they can't have someone like me say, no, we need to get rid of Oregon and Washington. And oh, by the way, we need to phase out bottom trolling. We just have to. It is... It's like the old school clear cutting that we used to do in the United States where we just went through and cut everything down regardless of size or use or necessity. We just did it to make it easy. And the same is true with bottom trolling. And if you go around to Alaska right now and it really doesn't matter where you go. I was in Sitka just recently in Juneau and most of the people I talked to agreed with getting rid of bottom trolling. And for those of you who don't really know what that is, they basically have these big boards and they force a net down onto the the seafloor, and then they drag a net that can be uh, almost a kilometer wide and roughly 600 to 800 meters deep. And it basically sucks up everything on the floor of the ocean. And it doesn't matter if it's alive or a plant or but just a, a crab fish, it just doesn't matter. It just sucks it all up. It sucks it all up. It does. And it leaves like a huge scar. And very much like some areas here in Alaska, it just takes forever for that to get healed and fixed and you can actually see some of those scrapes on the bottom and, and you know we, we need to do better to leave this place better than we found it for future generations because if we don't we're going to be infringing on their freedom and liberty and this is a good example of that and so you know I know in the libertarian world we're kind of kind of unique in the environmental aspect of this but if we look at fisheries management as a renewable resource this might be one of those few places where a little regulation might be necessary to ensure prosperity for future generations. And that's really what we're all about, right? Making sure there's opportunity out there. And if you talk to fisheries, uh, you know, commercial fishermen, they understand that, but they also have to put food on the table. They've got a bill they got to pay. They've got a boat bill they got to pay. They've got maintenance, fuel, all that junk. And so what we're trying to do is minimize the impact and balance it out so that we've got something left over we can actually call a renewable resource. And that's not true for everything in the libertarian world, but in this one, fisheries management's pretty darn important because those fish don't just stay in one spot. They migrate out from the rivers and they make their way all the way out to the ocean. They hang out there for a little while, give each other high fives, and then they move, their, move back up into the river system to mate and then you know, start the cycle over again. Right. So we've really got to take care of this and we've got to do it now. We don't have any time to waste. Yeah, it's one of those. It's one of those issues that you see it literally across the, like everywhere across the world, um, because yeah. you'll get these people who are fishing, trying to just do high, um, high product fishing, just grabbing whatever they can, and then they bring everything up on the boat and they chuck pretty much any. Like even if they don't need it, it just dies, and they're just like, we don't care, um, and that one of the things that we have worked on at the aquarium that I work at is the seahorse life. And that is a huge issue over in uh, East Asia. And that's what yeah. they're doing. They're doing that a lot. And that's a lot of um, like canned tuna and stuff like that will come from over there. Um, mm -hmm. And they, uh, and they'll end up just destroying seahorse uh, habitats down and cause they live in the shallow waters. And then they're just, they bring them up onto the, onto the boat and then they just let them die and then they chuck them and it's actually hurting, uh, it's hurting their numbers in record yeah. style. So it is something that uh, after I started learning about, I started learning about it from the Eskimo Libertarian. And then when I started working at the aquarium, 
and actually paying attention, I was like, oh, this is actually something that's going on literally across the globe. Uh, and while I am free market and I believe that, uh, you know, people should be able to be able to do their jobs without regulation, we need to figure out a way to try to fix this uh, without yes. harming the free market. And I think really getting, you know, a voice onto that council is the first step, right? right. Because right now it's really focused primarily on industry and how it can best maximize catch. And I think that's probably a different way than we should look at that differently, right? right. We should look at it as a renewable resource that benefits the entire state. And that's currently not being done. But, you know, I mean, these are small steps. You know what's really cool about that, Matt, is, is that's not a topic I initially thought I was going to be running on. Um, we, we made it a point, uh, we had an election back here in Fairbanks and less than, less than eight, uh, excuse me, 18.5% basically chose to participate in that election. And if you really like dice it all the way down less than, uh, it was roughly 1100, uh, no, wait, one to 10,150 people basically made the decisions for the remainder of 76, 78,000 people in Fairbanks. So 10,000 people basically made all the decisions for the political direction of the Fairbanks borough for the rest of us. And when I went around and asked all the other people, why didn't they vote? They said, because no one's representing us and it really doesn't matter. My mill rate or my taxes are going to go up anyway. And there's just going to be more regulation. And so I thought, Oh, someone better get off the sideline, right? <laughs> Do something. And, right. uh, you know, I'm just a fishing guide. Uh, but I worked in a bureaucracy here on post at Fort Wayne, right? And we sat together as a bunch of vets and some uh, some military spouses. And uh, it was on a lunch break, you know, good government lunch break. And we're laughing about <laughs> this. We're like, what a bunch of sots. And then they were like, we should probably do something. And so we all were like, one, two, three, not it, right? And then uh, next thing I know, we're so, rock, paper, so, scissors, so, and I'm talking say, to you, you now. <laughs> so you had the slowest reaction in the not it. I did. I get it. Yeah, That's yeah. right. And so, you know, you start accumulating things that are important to you, but they might not necessarily be important to the state. And so we found that out as we started asking people more and more questions. And that right there, the fisheries management one, is a good example of bottom-up refinement from Alaskans that no party is going to touch but us. And, and it, it is not just important to libertarians. It's important to the Democrats. It's important to the Independent Party. It's important to the Republicans. But no one wants to touch it because there's a lot of money involved in it. And uh, that would be money they're not going to get as a, uh, you know, as someone who brings up fisheries management. This is, but, so, you know, this as a libertarian, you're like, fix it. It doesn't matter it. about the money. Fix it. So this, what do. This, this sounds like it would have been... Um a movie made by Frank Capra back in like 1938. <laughs> Mr. S Mr. Bai goes to Washington and he's going there just to fix the uh, fishery management in Alaska. And he goes and you're going to have to go and do like a 14 hour filibuster in order to get right. your bill. Uh, heard. Now, you know, but you know, it's, what's really funny is, uh, is, is it doesn't just end there, right? You would think like, okay, that's just one, but no, sir. That, that is not how this went down. I got about, I don't know, 100 emails about land management, right? Which is the other big one we deal with here. Right. I don't know, something like 70% of our states owned by the federal government. 
And then there's like all kinds of other competing interests for the last 30%. We've been a state since 1959. And we are still waiting on 36 million acres to be handed over to us. 36 million. So that's like, that's like West Virginia and South Carolina combined or the amazing state of not so cool New York. Right. (laughs) And just think of all of the people that live in New York who work, breathe, eat for, you know, whatever they do, uh, complain, you know, step up like Mr. Sharp, but you know, I, I, I see that and it, and it bothers me because this is another really good self-licking ice cream cone event, right? So we, here we've got University of Fairbanks. It's one of the larger universities in Alaska. It prides itself on producing some of the finest geophysicist engineers in the world. They work on all kinds of unique projects and unique problem sets, and they do a mighty fine job of producing them. Now, in order to get there, they've got substantial state uh, investments into that. But because we don't have any room to grow, because we're missing these 36 million acres, and because of federal regulations that, you know, turn over every two to four years, it induces turmoil and chaos. So no one really wants to start natural resource management up here. Those young people, those young professionals, they graduate over here at UAF, and then we export about a third of them to another state. So we're actually giving Washington and other states a freebie. And it's not that I don't care about those states, but I'd rather see those young people remain here in Alaska with opportunity for good jobs to pay back, you know, their tuition. And so that's another really good example of how government, you know, a well-meaning government bureaucrat with very poor outcome has thought this through all the way and said, you know what would be really good? we're going to take land away from Alaska. We're going to pigeonhole them. And then we're going to force them to pay for a college and university because why not? And then on top of that, we're going to make them export their, their graduates to someplace else. And it's super, super frustrating. Like I can't tell you how frustrating it is. And, you know, peers of mine whose, whose kids are now graduating are like having to leave the state and they don't want to because they know it's, mildly hot garbage in other places and uh, they don't they don't want to leave but they don't have a job and so we're going to fix that like me and i've got a great i got a great team right so nalik helps me out uh the eskimo libertarian uh miss shannon is my campaign manager and she's about exactly what you'd expect from a from an alaskan and then i've got like this core of army vets right now uh, there's about eight of us we're going to solve all the world's problems, right? <laughs> by, by inducing like two major things, right? It's your problem, you fix it, or get out of the way and let someone else fix it. And that's what we're going to do. So it's, it's very entertaining. It's, it's pretty funny, actually. So you, you've said a couple of times, um, you've mentioned a couple of times that you've, you've got vets on your squad and you've got, you've, you are a vet. Um, how, I've actually got a picture of it here. And uh, this is you giving away classified information um, <laughs> of some kind. I also just want to point out for anybody listening on audio, uh, you're not going to be able to see this, but if you subscribe, uh, you'll be able to watch the video on Anchor or on Spotify. But this haircut compared to this haircut and these are very different looks that you have going on here um i just wanted to point that out (laughs) Uh, 
So, uh, so for a lot of vets who are going to be watching or listening, there, there comes a moment when you retire for like about, about 50% of them where they're like, oh yeah, haircut this, right? <laughs> and the next thing you know, you end up with a man bun. Yeah. And it's Joe, sometimes terrifying. <laughs> Joe, Joe Hanush, who's down here with me in Florida, said, is that Johnny Depp? Uh <laughs> Looks like Johnny Depp getting ready for a role in in uh, a river. And runs a river runs through, through it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, so a couple things about that. I see you've got relatively short hair, man. Once you start like manscaping, it's just way too much work. Like, I there's a reason the army just goes to straight hair and be done with it, right? Yeah, I get and it. So I, as you can see, I, I kind of went in the back army, to that. so I, I I understand. Oh, perfect. I had I you know I had the buzz cut for years, and then. Um, right. I went through the same right. thing where I went through the same thing where I was like, okay, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to, uh, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm going to do, I'm going to let it grow. And then I let it grow for a few years. And then I was like, this looks awful. And then, uh, I kind of went with the M and M thing because <laughs> right. I was the white kid in the early two thousands. Um, and eventually nice. this is where I landed and I'm probably nice. never going to change it again. Um, cause it's just easy. I wash right? it once a week and I'm done. Um, but how, like, so how I, have... I, I went to the, the fury haircut for a while, right. You know, shaved on the side, you look like this Viking looking feller, you know, but, right. uh, that's, that, that intimidates people more than I'm already mildly intimidating. Apparently, uh, <laughs> you know, we're, we're pretty happy go lucky up here, you know, <laughs> You don't seem that intimidating. You seem like somebody that if I still drank, I'd like I'd go out and grab a beer with. We we would. And then we'd go fishing and then we'd, you know, we'd have a blast, right? But but when you really start to like take a stand, you know, not not like a not like a wishy-washy stand, but like an honest to goodness stand, and you tell people that's not right. And not only is it not right, but it's counterproductive to my freedom and liberty, like 30 trillion dollars of debt. Man. And then, and then you like open their eyes. They're like, actually, Republicans and Democrats got us there. And then they look at you like, no way, that's not true. And you're like, no, nah, man, that is totally true. Yeah. And uh, yeah. you know, you start pointing that out, and you point out 20 years of war, brought to you by Republicans and Democrats. Yep. You know, and then yep. you you point out the Patriot Act, again brought to you by Democrats and Republicans. And then you bring out like I don't know, crazy health care, again brought to you by Democrats right. and Republicans. Right. You know, and then invariably the first question, you probably heard it. The first question is, well, what about my roads? <laughs> You're like, <laughs> if you think the federal government has bureaucrats out there shoveling, you know, gravel and tar, you obviously need to get out more because that's not how that works. They actually pay a company to go out and do that. And so, you know, it's been, I, yeah, it's been I, pretty entertaining. I like, I like to remind people that uh, Domino's had to get their own road crew to go out and fix potholes in certain areas of the country because they did it more effectively and efficiently than the government did. Um, so obviously, not really a federal government thing. Um, and that's why, like, on the Muddied Waters of Freedom that Spike and I do on Tuesdays, usually next week it's going to be on Wednesday, Um that's why we always close it with where we're going. We don't need roads. I'm also ripping off back to the future when I wrote that, but uh, you know, uh, it, that was where, where it came from. It's like, we don't even ask us about roads. We're, we're tired of the roads. You know, 
and, and it goes back to that like unintended consequences, right? Because you know, you know that bureaucrat was just thinking, oh, this is gonna be the greatest thing ever. They're gonna be championing my name. You're so great, you're amazing. And then you know, 10, 15 years down the road, they're like, wow, this 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 thing's really in place. Like we really didn't fix anything. It's still the same problem. You know, I, I liken it to those uh big honking uh water pumps in New Orleans, right? So the world's largest water pumps are located on the northwest or northeast side of New Orleans. Right. They are they are right. enormous. I think you can pass like a 747 through these things. I mean, they're huge. The problem is no one asks Slidell or Coudery or anybody else downriver of New Orleans, like where all that water was going to go. So every time they turn those pumps on, you know, 400,000 people have water up to their crotch. Right. And they're like, are you right. serious? Like, this is the best we got? Well, no, of course it's not. Some idiot put that together. So, you know. Some idiot, some idiot that was paid by the federal government put that together. Right. You know, or, you know, you take that uh, that gentleman from uh, the Animaeus gold uh, copper mine, you know, who decided it would be a great idea to pump all of the arsenic-laden water and heavy metal water out of the mine that was already shut down and pump it right into one of the world-class trout streams in New Mexico and Colorado. And as he's sitting there, he's like, what a great deal. I've made a lot of money today. And then realized he poisoned like, <laughs> he poisoned the Navajo Nation. He killed tons of thousands of fish. And you would have thought that maybe, maybe someone in the federal government would have been like, maybe that's not such a good idea. Maybe we got to prosecute him. <laughs> no. Nah. That's not how that goes down. And that guy's still doing work today. And he didn't get charged anything. And and, I, and, that, and that's not even. And that, that is the benefit of getting a contract with the federal government is you actually get to fail forward uh, because you can kill off an right? entire tribe of people um, or, or, you know, uh, drown an entire city. Uh, and you'll still get more work because you have already stated that you are willing to do the work for the lowest amount of money. Yeah. And they don't really care yeah. about the outcome. No. Um, so when we started this, I, I had this like ranger come in, right? And for non-vets, like these guys are, you know, they're like, what's up? You know, they got big muscles and they're like, you know, and they got guns and, you know, they're just beefy looking fellas, right? And this guy comes into the office and he's like, I want to run on the airfield. You know, I'm a vet. I'm like, absolutely, dude. Why not? And then I had my boss, who's a who's a bureaucrat, a faceless bureaucrat. And she's like, oh, no, we can't do that. There's all these federal regulations. Here's a stack of 55 pages of sweet success that he's got to fill out. And don't forget the TPS cover sheet. And he's being triplicate, right? And I was like, are you kidding me? This guy's going to be running on the field. Why does it need all this mess? And it was really at that moment where I was, that caged tiger in me was like, well, oh, buddy, we're done. <laughs> we're, we're breaking free it's, of this cage. Right. It's, and it's, I quit. Right. It's not, it's not worth it at that point. So yeah. I know that, um, I know that during this entire process for the special that you've been going out and you've been doing tons of events and a lot. Um, I have a question about, uh, this event. Um, you went <laughs> to the Matsu Outdoorsman show and event Arctic Comic Con. And it appears as though you've dressed up as Zorro. <laughs> I, we're fighting for freedom and liberty, baby. 
<laughs> I honestly wasn't sure if you were dressed up as Zoro or if you were dressed up as Napoleon Dynamite's brother. Um <laughs> Oh, come on, man. That's that's Dread Pirate Roberts. <laughs> oh, okay. Dread Pirate Roberts. All right. That I, I see that now. As yeah, you wish. Sure. Yes. <laughs> uh, you know, I, so so my my battle buddy, right? Sean Thorne, he's running for Senate. Uh, another vet. Great American. He looks like he walks straight out of Hogwarts. You know, I'm more of kind of a knuckle dragon type of guy. He's got the, you know, perfect face and the perfect hair. And yeah, that, that's not me. I, I literally am a cavalryman turned fisherman. Anyway, so we're like, oh, what should we do next? Like, how can we get after more people? Because quite frankly, the outdoor shows have the same kind of flavor of people coming through. And we're like, why don't we go to Comic Con? And I'm like, I'm already running for office. Like I'm well out of my, you know, area of expertise. And I'm, you know, way out of my comfort zone why not so uh, so he's he dressed up as a jedi i mean come on everybody dresses up as a jedi right, and i thought that's... what's the one dude who struck fear in the heart of a of a government <laughs> bureaucracy dread fire roberts, roberts obviously yeah. <laughs> right. anyway, roberts so, or robin hood or or robin hood right and uh i don't think i could you know, Carrie Oves did both of those. So I thought, ah, let's let's pick Dread Pirate Roberts because he's got a sweet mask, right? <laughs> I think everybody will be wearing masks in the future. They're horribly comfortable. <laughs> so I, uh, so we were don't, sitting don't around. Don't try to infringe on my rights. I just got rid of all those. <laughs> so anyway, I'm, I'm heading down there. I had to drive, which is, you know, 400 miles or whatever it is to get down there. And, uh, I get there and he has that board. Can you put that picture back up? Yeah, absolutely. So he's got this yeah. board. All right, again, understand that I'm well out of my environment, right? Because I am just a fishing guide who likes guns. And and there are Avatar, Wade Wilson. You've got some dude named Tudoro, uh, <laughs> Eric, I mean, from, from South Park. And yeah, that Eric is Carson. how we're going. <laughs> Those are the people we're going to select to be the supreme leader of the metaverse. That's right. We're kicking Mark Zuckerberg out and we're going to replace him with one of these people. And you can see, we've got the emo Spider-Man on there and we've got Conan the Barbarian for a couple of the older people. Oh, and that guy in yellow, that, that's actually uh, James T. Kirk. Why not? Right. And then uh, we've got Han Solo and we've got Aragorn and uh, you know, whole, whole Batman, like the original Batman, right? Not the pal guy, but uh Right, Michael but, Keaton. Uh, Michael Keaton, right? Yeah. The, the, and then the we've got Spike Lee down yeah. there, and then we got Mickey Mouse, you know, a throwaway. Got, and then we've got Zelda, Lee. and oh yeah, and then we also have um, Senator Palpatine, because we need Law and Order, right? Right. And then we got right. uh, we got Peter Baelish, right? So we set these up, and we had people come by, and they just put an X next to the one that they would like to see for a primary. Um, candidate to go on to be the top four. And of that, obviously, Deadpool pulled pretty hard in the beginning. We had uh, Aang, Avatar Aang. He, he did really well. Tutoro did very well because he brings back kids, right? He's your neighborhood friend. Sure. And then sure. my man, I Urban, have no right? idea who that is. I have no oh, idea. Oh, neither did I. <laughs> I. I knew like Master Chief who was on there, and I knew the Doom guy, and I knew Han Solo. And Aragon, right? 
Uh, maybe Wade Wilson, but uh, that guy just kills people. There's no negotiation there. That, that guy just slaughters people uh, in, in a very entertaining way. I was going to say, but so, he does it with a, he does it with a great sarcasm. So I'm a fan. Right. A little panage, right? Right. So, so the following day we had the top four and then they voted again. And you would be surprised like how often people would come back to our site and we would be walking around and we would hear these comments like, have you been over to the libertarian site? Like, who's your guy? Is he winning? And it became like from the people who ran the place, it was the best one there because it was audience participation, just like governance should be to begin with. Absolutely. And it really, it really challenged people to think, hey, when we start doing this ranked choice voting, like we actually better be kind of serious about this because Deadpool could actually win. And that would be bad for just Eric. Eric Cartman could win. And all we're going to get is cheesy poos. And that's I, probably not. I, I so. honestly, so I honestly believe that uh, looking at this list of people. Um, all right. Senator Palpatine would be the absolute worst. We've seen how that goes. It's that's absolute worst is going to be Palpatine followed yeah. very closely by Cartman. I think Cartman, <laughs> I think Cartman goes authoritarian very quickly and he will attempt to uh, get rid of all of the Jews because he hates Kyle. And then he will, right. and then he'll just keep going from there. Um, oh, nobody is safe. <laughs> nobody's safe. Nobody's safe. Uh, where Palpatine just wants to enslave people. I think Cartman would actually kind of just like get rid of entire races oh, yeah. of people. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, so do you guys have like other great events like that plan? Do you have other fun events like that plan where you're going to go do I, I, things that did. are just completely uh, off the oh, yeah. path? Yeah, I did. So I went down to Juno. They've got a maritime festival. Um, it was, it was, there were some serious mental gymnastics, uh, down there and, uh, it sharpened me. Um, I'm, I, you know, I'm not a politician. You've probably figured that out by now. Uh, I'm uh, I'm a citizen legislator. That's probably the best way to explain it, right? That's fine. I'm I not just a real think... news guy, so it makes sense. Okay. So I, I I just this is this is the slogan that we always ask people, right? Do you think that typical Alaskans can make better decisions than groomed politicians? And if the answer is yes, I have a short quiz for you. Do you believe in hurting people? Do you believe in taking people's stuff? You, my friend, are a libertarian, right? That's how we, that's what we do. That's how we, that's how we get our message across. That's how we hook them in and bring them in. And so I'm in, I'm in Juno, which is pretty much the, pretty much the leftist world of, of, uh, of Alaska. That's where both of them live. Okay. Got it. Yeah. That's, that's the most liberal end of, of Alaska, which is really kind of unique. Um, and I laid out fish. I put 12 different kinds of fish and we voted on the Supreme King fish of, of Alaska. And that too was extremely successful. And so we would bring them in for the primary and then we reduced it down to four. And then from there, people came back, literally would come back into the, into the festival, sign their name on a certain fish and then argue with us why another fish wasn't there. Right. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> And uh, it's, it's just getting the message out, right? Because we, we already know that, you know, we're, we're the tail end of, of the media. I mean, they're only going to give notice to us if we pay money. 
we already know that we're not going to get any coverage from anybody unless we make the coverage ourselves, such as, you know, my man, Kylo Ren and Dread, Dread Pirate Roberts, you know, at Comic-Con. So you, you liked emo but, Darth Vader. Right. <laughs> <laughs> my you know? dad was mean to me. Right. So, so, I'm going to go try so it, to take over the galaxy. <laughs> so it was really kind of cool. Um, and we, we, we learned a lot, right? Because people would come up to us and be like, hey, what do you think about agriculture in Alaska? And I'm like, we should be self-sufficient. Let's do it. And then they'd be like, well, I, I'm bordering federal property and I only have this to do it with. What, what do you think the federal, you know, what can we get out of, out of this to make federal property smaller so that we can do natural resource development or increase agricultural production. You know, it was, it was absolutely fascinating. I would say the other one that came out of that was school vouchers. So uh, that, right now the school district is the most diverse school district in the United States. Wow. For a myriad wow. of reasons. I mean, they've got Polynesians, they've got Hispanics and Filipinos and white kids and black kids and plaid kids and all, all kinds of kids. And it's because Juno is an excellent place for retirees from the military to punch out. I'm not Juno, I'm sorry, Anchorage. Anchorage is an excellent place for retirees to punch out. And it also has all the headquarters for all of the oil industries are based out of Anchorage. Okay. And so it's a very diverse um, city. And yet we really only give them one option for education. One umbrella covers it all. And you have to think in that kind of environment, are there not artists in those young people? Are there right. not musicians, young people? Are there not STEM directed kids who love math more than I do in that population? And if there are, why would we not afford them a more diverse education? And the flip is true too. Are there not instructors who don't want to be held to the same timeline or the same time constraints that the public school district has them under to teach a kid about biology or to teach math? And so school vouchers really bridge that gap to give kids what they need when they need it at an affordable price. And it's, it, I won't, man, I'm telling you that that resonates with everybody except for school administrators. That's right. <laughs> so yeah, and, you, you got to kind of fight through that a little bit, but yeah, and the, there's only and one vote. And that's something, that's something that you see a lot. Like no matter what Alaska, you see it here in Florida, you see it everywhere. Like once school choice starts coming into play and you start talking about school vouchers and things like that, school administrators are like, whoa, wait, I don't want you to do that. That would be terrible uh, for me. Uh, and you're looking at them going, you went to a private school anyway. Like you had school choice. Why wouldn't you want to give that? Why would we else? not afford it? Right. Yeah. Like, you know, what's really funny about that is when you get the guy or the gal who's like, but what about the little people? They'll be left behind. And I'm like, they already are left behind. I'm one of them, you know? But, now, are you, you know, from Alaska I, originally? No, sir, I'm not. My dad was in the service, and so we moved all over, which, by the way, was really kind of cool because I got yeah. to see I got to see all kinds of governance, and I got to see all kinds of unique ways people live. And, you know, one of my opponents decided he wanted to be a politician at age 12, 
that that wasn't me. I, I was fishing. That was me. A lot. I, I was definitely fishing. And then if I wasn't fishing, I was riding my bike to the next fishing hole. That's that's kind of what we were doing. And so when I see some of these individuals who just, you know, eat, drink, breathe politics, like I kind of feel for them. I mean, imagine that life that they must have. I mean, it's disappointing and got to be tragic, right? I mean, not me. I, I fish. I, I understand that yeah. life. Um, because when, so when I was 13, I decided I wanted to be president. I was tired of the presidents we had had up to that point. And I said, I'm going to be president and I'm going to do it right. And uh, then I got really big into politics. I was living right outside of D.C. So, you know, you can assume nice. that some of that seeped into me. And I said, this is what I'm going to do. And I knew, like, at the time, I, my parents are Republican, so I was a Republican. Um, <laughs> you know, I was a Republican. And then uh, I turned right. eight. I turned 18 and I discovered that uh, drugs were a lot of fun. And uh, then I was like, well, I can't run as a Republican now because, boy, I've done everything under the sun. And so right. then eventually I thought, instead of becoming a politician, I'm going to do the smarter thing and just talk about it online. Um, <laughs> and that's how we're all here. Um <laughs> You know, I, I, we didn't, uh, we literally didn't have any plans for this until about March of last year, right? I mean, we were seeing Alaska was very unique. There were pockets of people who were like scared into mandates and all kinds of other things. And then the rest of Alaska was like, uh, I'll think about that, <laughs> you know, and then they just went on with their business as if nothing was going on. And I was like, this is like, these are personal decisions. Yeah. being made by individuals and they're rolling with it right they're not afraid of anybody else they don't care what other people think and i'm like oh, that, that's the way it should be like if that mask is really going to work it's going to work for you and me and i don't have to worry about it anymore right and so we just sort of rolled on up here in alaska and we didn't think much about it much like western texas as a matter of fact a lot of like southwestern texas uh, didn't really feel COVID like the rest of America right. did. They just right. kept doing their thing. And, and it was pretty refreshing, right? And it really, it really brought, to, it brought forward the idea that our government, and in part because of us, because we settled for the lesser of two evils every time we voted, has dramatically shifted away from governance and more toward activism, and and it's terrifying, truthfully, right? I mean, deep down, this really terrifying, because so, the next time the next group gets in charge, they're just going to pick up that activism ball and they're going to run with it further down the field, and both the R's and the D's are playing for the same team, like they are heading toward the same end zone, and the rest of us are like, what the heck just happened? And I, I think it's time for typical Americans to stand up, you know, and I get berated all the time by folks. Oh my gosh, you're just another blah, blah, blah. You know, they're, they're label makers. Now you can buy them at Walmart all day long. But <laughs> what I, what I always encourage those guys is, you know, if you've got such great solutions and you believe enough people believe in you run, right? Yeah. Out from behind your digital device. Cause that's how they, that's how they engage me. They never come up front to me. Because I guess, you know, I'm six foot full of love and, and you know, care, I guess. 
and it's terrifying. Six foot in Alaska is like five nine in the rest of the country. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's really funny because when you start approaching people with care and love, and I'm not just talking like skin love or anything like that, right? Not lust or nothing like that, but just straight love, right? You'd be surprised like how much you can actually accomplish. Right. Whether it's teaching little ones soccer, which is absolutely fascinating and amazing. And I think everybody should do it at least once. Everybody should have a team of first and second graders in the soccer field at least once. Because then you see the swimmers and you see the dancers, not a lot of soccer, but it's it's a good learning event for the for the coach. But getting really back to that idea of love, right? And leading forward and stepping out in front and just letting the chips fly as they fly has been extremely rewarding. I, I mean, the people that I've met, Matt, are, have all been fascinating. And I use that word a lot because it means good and bad sometimes. And that's exactly what it's like meeting all these people. On the same token, I mean, I went fishing with a guy who's definitely the opposite of me. Uh, I went... I've met a, a gentleman who's like pro-union to the point of fault. Um, I have met uh, women who've, you know, who've had a meet, like really like gut-wrenching events happen to them. And I would have never met any of those people had I not run. And so when I come across those people who just want to, you know, poke me in the eye and, and you know, use their label maker, I, I always encourage them. I'm like, hey, man, be bright. Uh, you don't have to be rich. You don't have to know everything. You're going to get so many like inputs from so many people. You literally don't have to know everything. Only politicians know everything. And maybe some academia and just get out and do it. It costs you a hundred bucks. In fact, that's what I told this young man who, you know, was rabid. He was just rabid frothing at the mouth. And I said, I'll tell you what, I'll give you the hundred bucks and you run against me. I, I don't fear you run against me, man. Uh, he declined and ran off with his tail between his legs because, you know, that's what they do. I, I but, like the approach, though. I will pay your fee to sign up. All you have to do is do it. And, right? Like, that's a put your – that's put my money where your mouth is. And if you're still not willing to do it, it shows how 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 strong you are in your opinions on these things. Yeah. You know, put your brass on the table and let's get after it. Otherwise, vote for me. and you know it's been really like like that rabid um union guy i mean he ultimately gave me money and you know it really came down to me pinning him down and saying look are you gonna vote for the bear doctor which is a colloquial term they use for a guy from california who's up here running as a candidate or santa claus i mean that's who you're up against you're gonna vote for one of those guys really over this guy like really I mean, at least I live here, you know? <laughs> so, and he ended up voting for, he ended up, uh, he actually sent me a note. He voted for me in the primary. He won't vote for me in uh, in the election, but at least he got my name on the primary ballot, right? He gave me 50 bucks to boot. So how awesome is that? So, yeah, so Bear Doctor it. is your version of a carpetbagger? <laughs> no, uh, years past, there was a gentleman who, uh, we won't say his name because I'm not, I'm not about giving free advertisement for those That's guys. Fair. He's a doctor out of Modesto, California, who decided somewhere in his lineage, he was a guy from Alaska and he was not only a doctor, but he liked bears. And so they made this like really corny 
10 minute video on YouTube that everybody had to suffer through in Alaska. And the last thing was like bear doctor. And so everybody remembered that because you couldn't get away from it. And so now they just call him the bear doctor. They don't even use his first name anymore. They just call him the bear doctor. And it's fairly, it's kind of like a poke in the eye. Uh, at the same time, it's kind of a nod to advertisement, right? Right. So uh, right. continue to use it. I mean, it's good marketing if everybody remembers it, but at the same time, it's now insulting everybody that comes after you. Um, you got it. So you got it. Uh, where where can people find your platform? You know, where can they follow you on social media? You know, I've, I've posted the uh, website a couple of times uh, in the right. comments section. Uh, it's timealaska.com. Uh, yep. But where else can they find you? Uh, so I'm on Facebook uh, and I wish Shannon was on here or maybe Nayla can help. I, I'm not a Facebook guy. I used Facebook to hunt down bad guys in Afghanistan. So I never really got into the Facebook thing. Um, but I want to say it's like CRISPR Alaska. Um, yeah, I think that's what it is. That's awesome. And I go to it every day and I just hit like some random news thing that I think is important for people to see and, and kind of craft. It's kind of like in the army. Remember we used to do condition setting, right? We'd start with little pieces of the puzzle to put it all together. And so I get onto Facebook and I, I publish some piece once or twice a day. Right now we're doing music. Uh, why not? Uh, you know, it's my campaign. I get to figure this out. Some of the Republicans and Democrats will say I never will never win, but I think just getting the message out that there's another option besides $30 trillion of debt and another 20 years of war like that resonates tremendously with not just Alaskans, but with Americans in general. And so we're going to continue to push. Um, but yeah, so it's timealaska.com is a great place. And, you know, for your audience, man, if you see something on there, that's not right. Like, don't let me walk around no clothes on, like, let me know, right. Reach out <laughs> to me and give me some bottom up refinement because again, I'm, I'm just a citizen legislator, right. I'm, I'm a fishing guide who used to handle 600 plus men and women in combat well i mean with it look, it looks budgets. like you're a, you're a minnow guide is what this looks like <laughs> well played sir well played <laughs> but let's not you know overplay our hand <laughs> <laughs> but you know i i just what i really ask people to do and it doesn't matter if they're in alaska or anywhere else is just to be brave right I mean, sometimes in the libertarian world, a few of you all are brave, like yourself and Spike and Miss uh, Miss Nalick and Shannon. But there's a whole slew of them and bootleg and not a libertarian. All those guys are pretty upfront and, uh, and vocal. But behind you all is a whole group of folks who are awesome, but need a little bit of encouragement. Right. And so if you go to my stuff, you'll always see stay brave or be brave and stay encouraging. And. And I, and I stole that from a billboard. Um, <laughs> I did. I freely admit it. I was, uh, I was, I was moving some missionary stuff through, uh, through uh, Nebraska, South Dakota, back up into Fairbanks, um, which was a, I don't know, 3,400 mile drive or something like that. It was awesome. Anyway, on there, you, you'll go across these, these barns and on the side of the barn there there's always like thank a vet if you like your freedom and all this other stuff and one of them that i remember very distinctly was home of the free because of the brave and it was all about vets and as i was driving away from that i got to thinking well that's partially true thank you for your service by the way that's partially true it's also true that voters must be brave because without them we're stuck in this like 
recycle bin of Republican and Democrats, and they spit out poor decisions every two to four years, if we're lucky. If not, every month they spit out something poor. And if we're not going to be brave as voters, then we're going to lose our freedom. And that is indeed what's happening now. And I always tell people to remain brave because our country depends on it. Don't, don't rely on the young men and women of the military to be brave for you. You've got to be brave yourself. And along with that, you better bring a healthy dose of encouragement because there's some other people out there who aren't quite as brave. And they're going to need some encouragement to, to step outside their traditional pathway that they've been voting, right? And, you know, that's, that's, you know, that's, not, a, that's not a campaign slogan. That, that's really how we feel. You know, we don't want people to settle for the lesser of two evils. And that's what we have done. And that, this is the result of that. And so, you know, when, uh, when your folks are out and about and they see someone that they think might be a libertarian, even if they proudly wear a cool red hat or, a, you know, a Bernie shirt, you know, feel the burn, let them know that there's another option out there. You know, tell them, do you, hurt, do you like to hurt people? You know, do you hurt people or do you take people's stuff? And then you write up and get in their face and be like, welcome to the brotherhood. You are a libertarian, right? You just invite them in and grab them and you hold them tight. And then when it comes time to vote, you encourage them to vote outside their typical pathway. And I think we're going to win. Like, I think we're really going to, we're going to take this all the way. And when we win, I'm going to go to those outlets that have big D's and big R's to them. And I'm going to give them their first interview. Yes, I am. And then I'm going to tell them to pound sand. It's going to be awesome. I, um, so. so I just have to say, like, obviously I'm a little biased because, you know, right. I, I lean right. libertarian. However, I like to think that I can look at this from an unbiased position. And if I were somebody who was possibly an R or D or green party or whatever, um, after hearing something like that, I would be inspired beyond all belief. And I'd be like, no, like now I'm, bias for buy uh and like that was that was primo you, stuff you, you want to know the reaction we get terror really pure they are terrified of me like, <laughs> they won't even come like they, they, i'm telling you they are terrified because when normal people start stepping up to the plate and start swinging home runs even if it's a curveball they know one of them home runs is going to connect right. and it's going to be a game changer right and so I don't get any interviews from any of the media outlets that assign themselves to a, a letter. I, I don't get any, um, I don't get any news. I don't get anything. Uh, but you know, what's really unique about this is that there are people in those D and R parties that feel the same way you and I do. They absolutely do. No, absolutely. And so what I get is I get this like bootleg copy of everything. I know where they're meeting. <laughs> It's, it's really, it's pretty funny. I'll give you a good, for instance, I had just gotten uh, invited down to Sitka. So I was getting all that ready. And I got an email from a gentleman who has always voted Republican, but this time he's going to vote for me, which is flattering. And he said, oh, by the way, they're holding this mini debate and you weren't invited. And I think you should be. So I told them that you were coming. <laughs> Merry Christmas. And oh, by the way, it's in Anchorage. So figure it out because you need to be there. Unfortunately, some other things got in the way and I was unable to, uh, to go down there. But that's kind of what we're getting. And it was for uh, AMAC, the American Mature Concerned Citizens or something like that. It's basically the equivalent of AARP. 
Okay. Got it. And and he's like, you need to be there. You you have to because people who are going to go to that are looking for something different. But there isn't anything different. The cup that all those individuals that were there, you know, pontificating greatness in the Republican Party, are all drinking the same flavor of Kool-Aid. And what you're offering them is like an IBA. You know, <laughs> you're offering them not a Zima, not a not, you know, some dumb beer, but you're offering them something with some boldness in it, right? Some froth. And uh, they're looking for that. And I was like, okay, man, I'll do everything I can to be there, right? You don't want to let anybody down like that. But I get that all the time. Um, and I get it from both sides. It's it's truly, it gives us hope, right? You know, you talk to some libertarians that are like, burn it all down. And I'm not quite ready to burn it all down. I am ready to burn some things down, but not not all of it. Uh, and when you come across these individuals, you just know that there is people out there who can see past the labels, you know, and I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm not a libertarian who believes in burning it all down. I believe that we're going to see it all burned down. Um, but there are definitely things that I would like to see be salvaged from this right. mess that we have. Um, and I think right. that there are some good things that could come out of it. Um potentially the ending of the out of control spending and possibly returning rights back to the states as opposed to the federal government just saying, right. you know what, now it's 21 right. to smoke across the nation or to vape across the nation. Screw you. We don't care. Um, and I think that seeing that return would be so much better because then people will be able to make choices for their lives as opposed to their lives being dictated by People from California, Oregon, Washington, Illinois, New York, Massachusetts, yeah. yada, yada, yada. Um, it it kind of really goes back to normal people can make better decisions than D.C. politicians, yes. right? And that's really what it gets down to. You know what's and better for not your all life than they are going to be good, right? I mean, sometimes you've got to suffer with the consequences of poor decision making. Right. And it makes you stronger in the future or it makes you dead. One of those two things are going to happen, right? And so we just advocate for that opportunity to, to learn from those mistakes. And I think we've, we've touched on a couple of things that are really important, right? Uh, especially in this campaign, you know, we, we, if you go to the website, you'll see that we're all about budgets, you know, let's find out where, where all that money is going to let's, let's audit everybody. And if they don't get, if they don't, if they fail to meet the audit, we need to fire them and find the right guy to do the audit. And if it starts with the general of DOD, get rid of that guy. He's replaceable. Boom. You know, get rid of them. And then, you know, start with someone who can get the job done. Because if we can't trust them with the money, how the heck are we going to trust them with our bloodshed, our, you know, our, our men and women? Right. Are you kidding me? My guy's done. Fire him. I'd be like, yeah, I'd be off with his head, dude. <laughs> I'd be like, off with your head. Next. Just, just get rid of the ATF. Get rid of the DHS. Get rid of the right? uh, Department of Education. Get rid of the EPA. Right. Get rid of all of it. Get rid of OSHA. It's kind of like, um, you know, like, have you seen Lego Ninjago? I, I have a, a six-year-old and a seven-year-old. So, Okay, so you've seen it. Okay. Yep. So that part where he's like, general number one, you're fired. He shoots him out of the volcano. Yeah, that's exactly what we ought to be doing with a lot of the bureaucracy. And just launch them, bad boys, and replace them. Replace them with nobody, right? right? Replace them with a state who's accountable to the people um, if they need to be replaced at all. I mean, maybe the Department of Education, right? Maybe you need that at the state level. At the state um, level, I don't have an issue with it. Right. Because then they're accountable to you and I. Right now, they're just faceless bureaucrats. Oh, we can do better than that.
No, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Well, Chris, thank you so much. I appreciate you spending the time here with me today. I, we went a little over, but I was enjoying talking to you, so I didn't even give you an opportunity <laughs> to get out. Um, but yeah, so everybody, it's timealaska.com. Everybody needs to go there. Give Chris money. You're going to have to put in what you do for a living. But Chris says he's going to fix that. Um, <laughs> so we'll try. Yeah. <laughs> Buddy, I really appreciate this opportunity, right? I mean, the, the ability for podcasts to really reach a lot of really cool people is, is pretty impressive. And uh, I appreciate the fact that you brought me on and, and I, it would be remiss if I didn't give out a shout to Nalik and to Shannon and my man, uh, James out in New York to really keep pushing me and, and uh, keep me energized. I, I appreciate their input tremendously. Yeah. Without, without no, like uh, I can, I can say uh, with absolutely no sarcasm, um, this show would never go off as smoothly as it does. Um, she, she does amazing work and she's a fantastic human being. And uh, I appreciate everything that she does uh, for, for the movement, but especially for me. Um <laughs> But yeah, right? it, it's it's amazing what the this team of people can do in this movement, and how much there's so much that there's so many activists out there who are in this movement who have so many different talents, and they are all using it right now to help elevate voices and help elevate uh, uh, different people who are running and help push businesses, and it's starting to really take hold. And it's fascinating to watch and it's inspiring to watch because you finally get a chance to see um, what can happen when you come together as a community, even if it's a community of people who have only met each other online. Like you and I have now met, you know, here on Zoom. Um, now you're going to have to come up and go fishing, man. You know, <laughs> I don't think that will be a very difficult thing to convince uh, my fiance of. I think she will 100% be okay with us taking a trip to Alaska at some point. Right on. Um, she just right slid on. into the room to give me a thumbs up. Um, <laughs> but no, thank you so much. Uh, it's timealaska.com. Everybody go there. Give Chris all your money. Uh, up to $2,400, I think. I don't remember what the <laughs> limits are. Um, but uh, I just want to say before I let you go, I have talked to numerous politicians uh, that are running for different seats. I talk to one every Tuesday, um, Wednesday next week. Uh, I came out of this more inspired than I have in years. So thank you. Thank you for that. You you are doing wonderful things. If uh, you can. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's, I truly do. No, uh, thank you so much. Uh, I'm going to do the sign out. You can hang out if you want to, and I'll be back. Or you can just go, I understand you're in your truck. You're probably heading somewhere. You're not wearing your seatbelt. We so are. Not be sure. going <laughs> so. All right. Cool, buddy. But, hey, thank you so much. Hey, thanks will, again. No, absolutely. I'll talk to you soon. To everybody else. Whew, thank you so much for tuning in. That was fantastic. Uh, I am I am a fan of Chris By, and I think everybody should uh, – do whatever they can to ensure he wins the uh, special election. Um, I, uh, yeah, no, that was fantastic. Uh, so thank you all so much for tuning in tomorrow. Tomorrow. I should know this because I talked about it the other day, but I don't remember it. So I'm going to have to look it up again. 
uh, Jason has Nate Banks uh, on at 2 p.m. Eastern. Uh, and they are going to be talking about messaging and uniting with unlikely allies. Then, this weekend, we're not doing anything. Uh, there is not a Muddied Waters of Freedom next Tuesday. It will be on Wednesday. Excuse me. It will be on Wednesday at 8 o'clock. Um, so be sure to tune in for that. Then join me right back here next Thursday for a brand new episode of The Writer's Block. Possibly. It's either that or The Muddied Zoom. I have to uh, talk with my co-host about that. So we will get that figured out, and we will let all of you know this week. Um, thank you all so much for tuning in. Uh, I hope everybody had as good of a time as I did. Uh, your fun fact of the week. There is a percentage of people out there who are allergic to pre-ground coffee. And that is because of the amount of cockroaches that are legally allowed to have gotten into the mixer or into the grinder when they grind the beans for your pre-ground coffee. So whenever you are drinking pre-ground coffee, no, you're drinking, you are drinking um, cockroach juice. So mud water, it's a coffee alternative. You can make the switch. Stop drinking cockroach juice or get <laughs> or get beamed coffee and grind it yourself. It's really up to you. Uh, thank you all so much. Uh, I will see you all next week. Have a fantastic weekend. Tune in tomorrow for Mr. America, the Bearded Truth. Um, tune in tomorrow for Mr. America, the Bearded Truth. Uh, and remember, no matter if you are white, black, Hispanic, uh, Asian, if you are Christian, Muslim, Jewish, Hindi, Buddhist, uh, skinny, fat, sick, not sick, I guess healthy would be the right word for that. At the end of the day, it's night.